Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co-editor of PW Comics World as well as graphic novels review editor of Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of the Beat of Comics Beat. And check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And you can also subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Uh, and we're also uh, on, uh, and I'm going to, our podcast producer is missing this week. So um, for the uh, PW Tumblr, the Comics World Tumblr page, go to pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. Kate's uh, is uh, not available to us this week as we head into the BEA week. Uh, but she'll be back soon. Yes, we're just a little scattered to the wind. So we're just, <laughs> yes. Calvin and I decided we would just chat about just you know, our lives and our things that we were doing. But actually, what we were doing today was a really cool thing at the French Embassy. That Very was cool. fascinating. Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, it was a really excellent, uh, what would you call it, a symposium? It was, yeah, it was like a one day symposium conference on the graphic, the French graphic novel in the U.S. market. Very interesting topic. Um, uh, it's kicking off actually Book Expo uh, and uh, Book Con to come on right. the weekend. Yes, so yes. it's a hectic week. Uh, it's for been everybody. very hectic, but this yeah. was a really great way to kick it off, even though we had to come right on Memorial Day. Uh, now, Calvin, I know you were involved quite a bit yes, more with it than I was, uh, but you, you, the, it was put on by. It was put on by, by two who? French trade book organizations. Uh, beef, which is a, a long French name that I can't pronounce, and C N L. Bureau yes. International de l'Edition Française. Right, uh, and then something Central National. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, in any event, basically, what and this is a, is kind of the latest uh, in a number of efforts over the over quite a while, maybe over about twenty years. For uh, the, really the French government and the French trade book industry to try to uh, to get the American market more interested in their graphic novels. Obviously, comics are a long and mature, a long running and mature market in France. Uh, it's a very different market than the U.S. Absolutely. As we both well know, it's a very book focused market, um, high literary quality, and much variety. Uh, a, a big difference from the American market, which right. tend to be dominated by a single genre. Yes, and uh, I mean, this was a really uh, a huge info dump. I mean, it had two yes. representatives, one from MediaTune, Sophie uh, from MediaTune, and uh, Etienne from uh, uh, Delcor, or excuse me, Lenat, yeah. Yes. get those yes. mixed up, uh, <laughs> were there to de- deliver a ton of statistics on the French comics industry, and then Paul Levitz uh, and Karen Green were there to deliver statistics. So it's really yeah. heavy info yes, dump. Yes, I yes. wish we could get the slideshows available to us, but uh, but really fascinating. I mean, yes, talking uh, really about, interesting. Really, really interesting. Just uh, some of the key demographics. I know, Calvin, you were, yeah. I mean, you know, well, not just three, recite them, but, you know. There were three panels on the day, and they yes. was held in the morning. Uh, comic books in the French uh, and American book markets. That's the panel that high was describing with Paul Levitz, Karen Green, yes. and two representatives from French publishers. Uh, was it Sophie Castile and I forget the guy, Etienne, Etienne Bonin. 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 From, yes. uh, the second panel I moderated it, and it was Franco Belgian Comics in the North American Market. And this was more, we were more of a hands on panel because uh, it was really composed of publishers, retailers, and, um, and a distributor. It was uh, Mark Siegel from First Second. Uh, Adam Lerner, president of publishing of Lerner Publishing Group and Lerner Graphic Universe. Uh, Terry Nantier, really a pioneering uh, American publisher for licensing French graphic novels. Uh, Terrence Irvins, the, the graphic novel buyer at, um, at the Kinokuniya Bookstore. And Julie Schaefer, the president of Consortium Book Sales and Distribution, which has really made its name for itself in recent, recent years. Uh, really putting together a very interesting um, group of publisher clients. Arsenal Pulp, um, uh, with Alternative, um, really... Um, no, no, no Brow. No, no Brow, most importantly. Yeah. So uh, an American book distributor who's really been uh, really on the lookout for really distinctive small presses right. that they can distribute. Although I understand that, uh, actually talking to Julie is very, very interesting. I mm-hmm. mean, we've talked about consortium quite a few times here. Maybe you circle back to that. Yeah. That's kind of its own story. 
But um, but yeah, I mean, basically we're talking about publishing, and then there was a digital comics panel yes. with uh, David Steinberger from Comicsology, and then a gentleman uh, whose name yeah, was Claude de Saint Vincent. Uh, from media participation. Right, right. And which has it their own. It, it yeah. is Neo. Is Neo. Is Neo. Is Neo. own kind of the comicsology of yes, France. Yes, yes. Now, interestingly, the digital comics market in France is only about 1% of the yes, publishing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Whereas here, it's about 10%. It's, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it yeah. I think it's about 10% on comics. On the book side, obviously, it's, it's even right. bigger. Right. So digital has definitely got, had a head start in the, the U.S. slash well, North American market. Well, they explain that there's a couple reasons for that, interestingly. Yeah. Which, number one, a lot of the books in France do not have digital rights available. So, and, and I mean, this includes books as well. Mm. They were saying about when the Amazon.fr launched, it only had like 12,000 titles on it. Because very few books had... Yeah. Uh, you know the digital rights, and um, so so that's a problem. And also, uh, the book industry in France is a lot different than here, where they basically enforce a minimum price. Yes, it's with price maintenance. Yes, and they um, very different. Um, you you simply cannot discount books. In yes, I mean, yes. You could raise about 5%. By law, by it's law, five percent yes. is the yeah. greatest discount yeah. you could have. So, so there's no so, price competition. So they have tons of bookstores. They have yeah. a lot more bookstores, and that definitely um, kind of mitigates towards their still being people and buying graphic novels. Comics are a book store yes. product. I mean, they are comic specialty stores in France, but really, you walk into any any. Um, reputable bookstore in France, and there is a significant graphic novel Yes, price. definitely. And uh, I'm trying to see, they actually had all sorts of statistics on yes, where they, they were sold. They had an endless uh, number oh of statistics. Oh my God, it was, it was endless, but it was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, something like, tw oh, here we go, new book sales by outlet. 22% uh, in bookstores, 22% in large retailers, such as cultural. I guess that means like yeah. well, the, the One of the numbers so I had was that 36% of all graphic novel sales in France are go through general bookstores. Yes, yes. They don't have a direct sales market, obviously. They yeah, no, they don't. But they and do have nor comics. do they need it, because no. everybody reads comics. Yes. I mean, when and there are no periodicals yes. either. I mean, right. they don't, don't really do that. No, they don't do, they don't do it's periodicals. A book it's, it's a format category. Yeah, very, very, very much book um, Now, because this... This event was kind of sponsored, I guess, by traditional uh, publishers. I know Casterman, I'm looking through the catalog, mm -hmm. and uh, I just want to publish all these books here. I wish someone would, would <laughs> come and publish these. But, uh, like, it was Casterman, Mediatune, uh, Dargo, uh, Delcor, of course, Lena, and uh, a few other ones. But, so they did Futuropolis also. Didn't really well, talk about the manga influence, because manga has really been a huge, huge, huge part of. Yeah, they the actually French. had quite a few statistics about manga. In fact, essentially, manga. manga pretty much is neck and neck with yes. actually native mm -hmm. French graphic novels for market share. Yes. They, they're very close. I mean, the, uh, obviously, the, the, the French band of Disney is still the biggest category, but not by a whole lot. No, and uh, they, they did show, they showed a couple of pie charts. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, you, you have let's anything see in there? now. We're, we're, Kevin and I are both looking through our Yeah, I didn't, but I, I didn't get one of those to, books I'm you just have. going to, Calvin, you didn't get the I, book. I, you know, it was great. I looked up and they were all gone. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, well, I have the book, you guys, <laughs> and it's awesome, but it doesn't oh, have most of the statistics I've that we talked right here. about. I've got it here, right uh, here. Of revenues in, uh, I think, 2014, um, uh, 408 million euros of that 59% were uh, band dessinée, 32% manga, 6% mm -hmm. were US American Right, comics. and that, interestingly to say that only 6% were American yeah. comics. Now, I'm not sure, I mean, I know that Urban Comics publishes a lot of superhero stuff in France, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there is a market for it. I, I would love to have heard the other side actually, of how American comics are being yeah. received in mm -hmm. France, because that, that's pretty interesting as well. Um, let's start with some other things they touched on a little bit, is just, you know, overproduction. I know that's a real issue in yeah. France. There was almost mm -hmm. 5,000 graphic novels are BD produced last year. A lot of people think that's way too many. The average sales were 3,000, uh, but it varied widely, yeah. and... Um, but they also have comics that sell absolutely jaw-dropping yes, numbers. Yes, huge that numbers. you just don't see. You don't see American prose books selling in these numbers for the for the most right. part. Uh, but of course, that's another problem in the difference between the two countries. America, uh, our our great nation, 
has a very small percentage of people who read books on a regular well, basis. Well, exactly. They, they, they even said that kind of statistic, too. Something like 23% of people yeah. read more than 11 oh, books yeah. in a year, yeah. which, you know, I mean, which, it's a nice metric. <laughs> but, uh, which comes to about 89 million yeah. people out but, of you the know, 300 million. Right, and, and, and per capita, it was something like... You know, like, Comicsology yeah. had this had this, yeah, this slide that I put up on the on the Twitter, and people were adding it up and said it didn't work. But you know, I do trust David Steinberg; yeah. he's a numbers guy. But it was something like in America, the average spending per capita it was I like thirty six thirty six cents, whereas in France it's eight dollars, yeah. and in Japan it was, it was like, like seventeen dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> so that just tells you how comics crazy on, these other places spent are. on comics per yeah. capita. But I thought it was interesting what Paul Levitt said because he was talking about uh, you know opportunities. Him and Karen both were talking about growing opportunities, and you know, I mean, there's is all these movies. I know we. So, you know, they don't necessarily directly lead to publishing success, but guess what? Sometimes they do, like sure. Walking Dead. Um, and there's a growing academic interest in comics. And uh, also, you know, a lot of comics readers are early adapters mm-hmm. of a lot of other media. And so, you know, I do think things are on the up and up. And I think that the growth in French comics is part of that, is part of that growth here. Well, no, it, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, no, well, was this interesting? Uh, just a moment on what Paul, I mean, Paul did make the, the, the point, which is true in the traditional comics industry, that movies don't necessarily yes, move that's comics issues. But I think what we're seeing when comics have an, a, a, a collection, a book, an original graphic novel that is re- easily tied to a film, I do think you see some impact. And we saw this, obviously, with something like um, Blue is the Warmest Color. These things do. But what happens too often in comics is that because they're serials and because the movies are a hodgepodge sometimes of different uh, story arcs, it's very difficult to sort of say, this book uh, has a story for this movie. It really doesn't really work that way. Um, But you do see... But you sometimes. Do, well, yeah. And, I mean, the Winter Soldier, I think, actually got a boost a bit. It did get. Because they had one, a clearly defined... Clear, but you know what? Marvel's getting a lot smarter about mm-hmm. all that. Because they did sell a hell of a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, good graphic point. novels. Yes, that had and not, yes. And they did not die yeah, directly point. to the movie. You yes, know? good point. I think point. that was a case of people going and seeing this and thinking, oh, these are good mm-hmm. characters. I want to see more. And, uh, you know, so they went and bought the comic, yeah. which is great. But, uh, but you know, something, Calvin, we've been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. Not even on the podcast. But just for years in general, in the office, uh, around the war cooler. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's definitely increasing. I think that in the olden days, it didn't necessarily mm-hmm. sell yes. unless it was a direct tie-in. But I think as Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, yeah, shows, no, no, that's and a good you know point. what? Constantine, Hellraiser yes. graphic novels were doing quite well when that TV show... Yes. Um, you know, uh, uh, Daredevil. Marvel's had a Daredevil mm-hmm. program around the Netflix mm-hmm. show. Uh, they're reprinting Alias, I believe, for the TV show, the next one that's coming and, on And historically, Watchmen exploded when that movie came right. out. Now, Watchmen right. was selling insane right. numbers right. even before that. Right. Right. right, right. But it really went crazy with numbers. I mean, a million copies, and we did a story about it at the time. They sold a million yes. copies after mm-hmm. that movie was yes. even announced. Yes. So, uh, so there are, but once again, and it, it's very easy. It was a one-on-one identification yeah. with but the I, movie. But you know what? I do think the market has changed even book. since then in 2007. I think a lot of things Absolutely. have changed since then. Absolutely. So, uh, but, you know, and a lot of that was discussed. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, what did you think of your your own panel with the publishers? I mean, what did you think was the key to well, uh, you know, as far our, as they were? My panel was, were, were, were really publishers who are doing it, who who are licensing graphic novels. And I think one of the stats that came out very early in the show was that, indeed, the, the French, who who track everything about the book market, yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, I just want to throw in here, like, yeah. like these statistics that were given were, uh, it's I don't know what Ebdo means. It wasn't Charlie Ebdo. There's no, it's Livre Ebdo. Livre Ebdo, Ebdo, which is... And which is the publisher's weekly yes. of France. And yeah. let me tell you, these guys have got it. Yeah. Covered. I yeah. mean, this is like you know. You'd think it was fantasy baseball. Yeah. No. Well, they the number of statistics they have about the book market. So you know, props. And to then Paul comes on and says, "You know what? We're just guessing here yeah. on the American yeah. side." Yeah. Paul's <laughs> like, "I'm just spitballing here." But anyway. But I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I think uh, the, the either the ambassador or someone at the embassy had an interesting statistic. We knew the French graphic novels were showing up. At a higher pace. We didn't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it's doubled. In, in 2013, mm-hmm. there were 61 translations published in the U.S. 
of French graphic novels. It doubled in 2014 to, uh, well, roughly doubled to 116 mm -hmm. translations. Right. Um, uh, it, a, as we look around with new companies like Magnetic Press, mm -hmm. uh, Uncivilized Books, I think we're going to see that number continue to climb. Mm -hmm. And the publishers on my panel were really talking about how they make it work, how they, how they find, how they acquire books, and how um, these comics are offering something different in comics at a time when the American book market uh, is changing, is becoming way more accepting to comics beyond the superhero genre. Right, right. And, uh, you know... We talk about this every week. We the do. demographics are changing. We do, we do. And there was an allusion to that also, but, uh, I, you know, I think... Well, actually, I think it was Terry Nantier. Now, he's been doing it longer than anyone over at NBM. Well, he's been doing it for 40 years, and I yep. think he had the most succinct. He said, you know what, there, there are styles that are coming in that just appeal more to a broader uh, demographic, because America doesn't like what the French call big nose cartoons. <laughs> yes. So you call asterisk <laughs> yes. and Casa uh, um, uh, Tatouf and uh, uh, Le, what's the name Well, of I'm it? not even going to try yeah, my I'm French. Not even try, <laughs> but, uh, I can but make... the, the most Gaston, um, Gaston. But and uh, anyway, we, I don't, think we, we just know. don't like it. We don't like it. It's yes. been tried and tried yes. and tried. And maybe five people like it, but not very many. <laughs> More than five. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> excuse me. But I, th I thought Terry made a great point because uh, that was part of one of the, the uh, French publishers uh, as they broke down the French market, uh, that new styles of drawing are coming aboard on the French right. market. And they're a little more universal. Mm -hmm. A yeah. little more, they travel a lot better maybe than some of the older, more classic right. styles. And I mean, some of the books that have just come over in recent, you know, just this spring crop of graphic novels, uh, Exquisite Corpse by Penelope Bajou. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Last Man by uh, Bastien Vivend. This uh, um, Lulu Anu, which I'm pretty sure Lulu Anu by Ted Davido, mm -hmm. which is highest mm -hmm. recommendation. Uh, Girl in Dior by Annie Gitzinger. Um, I mean, these are just four books that have come over yeah. just this season, and they're great. They're yeah. all so different. They're really accessible. Yeah. All of them are so accessible and beautifully drawn. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned, like, Magnetic Press and so on. But you know yes. what? If this panel sounds of interest to you and you happen to be going to San Diego, we're actually be doing a... Yes, we're going to do a... Do a very similar panel we're with do some a French of the same players. graphic now. BD in the USA. Yes, yes, yeah, the yeah. French invasion. Yes. And uh, so, uh, because this is really, I think, one of the big stories of the last couple of years. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, uh, the French publishers, uh, because of the difficulties in the French market, which is of a certain size, they want to break into the United States with its vast consumer horde. Well, I mean, in some ways, it's what's happening with, uh, with the manga market. Do, do you have, in Japan and in Europe, you've got very mature markets. And they're 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 still growing, but they're they don't have the space to grow the way that we do right. here. Because right. frankly, right. look, I mean, this is we're just breaking out of the superhero you know hangover. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's really uh, new ground. It's really frontier. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, as we said before, French publishers have like you know thrown some books over here before. Whether they're going to really make an effort to be on the ground, to be here, to have a plan, as I think as Mark said, they better have a three to five year plan mm -hmm. yeah. for how they're going to like not only just publish, but how they're going to promote, how they're going to market, how they're going to um, how they're going to translate, mm -hmm. how they're going to really integrate European graphic novels into the American public yeah. system. They've got to be here. Yeah, and uh, you know, but I, I think this was a really, uh, really. A really fun event. Yeah. I mean, I thought. Oh. I mean, for having to get up or first in the morning and be, <laughs> yes. be, you know, sit down and have all these slides with numbers on them. I mean, that sounds like hell. And you know what? It wasn't. It was yeah. really interesting. Well, they that's were, me. As the French do, they rewarded us greatly they, with a fabulous oh, <laughs> yes, we had a and tasty lunch with and some some. Yeah. Quiche, some wine. Quiche it's like French lunch. The only thing wine. missing were berets and striped shirts. Yeah, well, they do. They do bribe you very well. And you know, I must give you Ivanka. Uh, Ivanka Hanover. Yes, a absolutely. Big, Ivanka deserves. Ivanka is uh, the you know she does so much. She also is in charge of at Angoulême, bringing a lot of uh, mm -hmm. American guests over, 
and uh, she put this whole day together, and she did a, a yes, stunning a job, show. I thought. I mean, it was bad, great schmoozing. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. this is the best schmoozing I think yeah, well, I've it, had in a long time. It, it really time. was great. I mean, there was a I, great cross-section yeah, of the really, publishing really industry cool. there, yeah, uh, really, European and American. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just, the, you know, people from Kickstarter and... We, sh and, we uh, should an, uh, note, and, and I, I'm hoping this is uh, a uh, evidence that you know the French publishing and the French industry are are going to have follow through on this. Um, yeah, I think it was Sophie Castillo uh, of was she, she from Glenay, Glenna? She's from Media Tunes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> she uh, she announced that um, a a new website called EuropeComics.com is going to launch in the fall of 2015. It's a a group effort by 13 publishing partners from eight countries. Uh, co-funded by the European Union, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to host, it, well, she called it a digital venture, it's a little, still a little fuzzy what's going yeah, to be on a there. Yeah, like, what was the, what was the Japanese one that they did there? The, yeah, it sounded a little, little, I can't, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but I, I so I, I'm, I don't want to smear it with that yeah. to start before yeah. it's even launched. But we're going to give it the benefit of the doubt at this point. We'll see what happens when it's launched, but it looks like it's going to be essentially a platform to promote market uh, French comics to the North American market. So we will be keeping a close yeah, eye definitely. on it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is truly a Mordecai story, though. I, I, you know, they had a lot of books on display there uh, from France. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I there are two ways forward with this, really. I, we could try to, book by book, get them published here in the United States. Or I can just learn to read French. <laughs> because they just look so awesome. So well, perhaps the reading of the French is the best no way to go. There's no shortage of quality. No, there French isn't. Publishing. And I mean, this, you uh, know, you just, your jaw drops. And yeah. at the hey, incredible. Man, one of the things that came out of this is, though, in dollar figures, uh, French graphic novels don't amount to a lot in the American market. However... Symbolically, their, their cultural impact on American comics publishing has been tremendous, and I think on American readership. And that this is the moment, this is their moment to shine in a marketplace that's really looking around for other things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's clearly there. These catalogs are full of enormous variety and quality. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the global globalization continues. Uh, yes. Global influence. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, you know, speaking of which, we will be, you know, this is kicking off a book expo. Yes. By the time you listen to this, we'll have been uh, through hell. I mean, heck, I mean, you know, we'll have been there. <laughs> that I, and, and more. And, you know, they're kind of sneaking, they're kind of really giving us, you know, read Elsevier, which throws book expos, kind of giving us a little kind of slipping a fast one, I think, a little bit. Because Book Expo, traditionally a three-day event, is two and a half days, but it's followed by BookCon now, which is another two days over the weekend. So this ends up being a four-and-a-half-day uh, four event. So kind of Comic-Con-like. It's a little bit sneaky. It's kind of a big, long commitment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, that's pretty much the case now. But I, I, what's interesting about Book Expo, I think, is how BookCon is basically transforming it. Um, mm -hmm. Really, this crazy sketchup we hear is to accommodate another day at BookCon. Oh, well, it was one day yeah. last year, two years this year. Uh, we're on the verge of book, BookCon, I think, really becoming a kind of book. Con and Comic Con. Yeah. Well, it is already. If yes. you look at it, and you know, I mean, I joke about it because they really do have a lot of great authors at BookCon. Yeah. But uh, if you go to the website, it's really, you know, like people who are on sitcoms who have books coming out and get first billing. And I'm sort of like, you know what, people, I. I think some of these authors are actually a little bit more beloved than some of these these sitcom stars. But you know, hey, listen, it's it's. <laughs> well, I'm not going to doubt. We know for many, where you know, Calvin and I are many book book expo ex, uh, veterans. I'm sure Calvin's been to a lot more than I have, but. But, uh, you know, they do. You get long lines for the celebrities of their books. Oh, yeah, and, yeah uh, absolutely. But you get usually longer lines. Well, well, it's interesting because really, I mean, the Book Expo has been a process of trying to turn it from a pure trade show into a show that, at the very least, isn't hostile to consumers. Uh, most of the big trade publishers in New York really are not so hot on consumers no. coming at all. No. This is by popular demand. It, this, is, this is essentially forced by 10,000 teenage girls rampaging through the show last year, desperate to find books of any kind. Well, I think, I think 
you know, I think that's part of it. I mean, I think Reed Elsevier, who throws well, the show, I think Reed really... wants to do more consumer shows. I mean, they obviously have been putting a lot more growth into their Reed Pop division. Absolutely. Which is doing Comic-Con, so that's New York Comic-Con. They've packed right. the shows all over all over the world, really. And um, BookCon is one of the first shows that they have launched themselves. And uh, so last year, there was a little criticism. I think we talked about it. I mean, it was insanely crowded. And it was a lot like yeah. the first year of New York Comic Con. They had one little hall. Yes, They're like, oh, well, we don't know if anybody's going to come to see John Green. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I know. I mean, is anybody gonna The come? Biggest, biggest guy on YouTube. Anybody, Why would anybody want to come know, and see does him? Does anybody want to see these, you know, these authors that sell hundreds of thousands of copies? Yeah, um, yeah. And it turned out they did. Uh, and so, yeah, I think maybe in two days. And now it's, I'm not even sure what the, what the, the layout of the hall is going to be, but, uh, it's probably yeah, I'm not quite sure a either, lot honestly. of the publishers are staying on for book Well, I think it's going to be a little less of the, I mean, there was some, there were some publishers breaking down their, their oh, yeah. booths yeah, there are, while BookCon was going on. Like, See ya, but, um, but I don't think that's going to happen again. It was very insulting, obviously, to, to the fans and... Uh, but I, but, you, but to your earlier remark, you, okay, you've got a book expo that eh, gets about I guess it gets about thirty thousand on a good year, and then you have New York Comic Con, also run by Reed Elsevier, its first uh, um, consumer oriented show, uh, getting roughly one hundred and thirty or one hundred and forty thousand. Right. These people. are not even popular authors; these are comic book authors. Yes, yeah. We're not even talking about book authors who sell a billion times more. Than graphic yeah. novel authors. So doing a book on, and you know, I mean, I think it's a little bit, um, a little bit crass, maybe. But on the other hand, we used to have several events here in New York. You know, book fairs are a thing. Yeah. Book fairs are what they're popular. New York is book country's gone. And New York is you book know, now we do Brooklyn, Brooklyn Book Festival, which, which, which is, is tiny in comparison yeah. to yeah. what book uh, New York is book fair used to be. But it is the the, the the best, right, right. you know, it's book a really fair great, in New York, and it's, it's a, a really great, great and going show, great event, with and great spotlight for comics, right, as well. and great spotlight, and you know, but authors there. I mean, you have an incredible lineup for mm -hmm. uh, for Brooklyn Book Festival, and um, I mean, you certainly didn't get the same kind of like, you know, madcap crazy fan. Yeah. No, fan you know, you know. In other words, really excited fans, uh, happy to see new books, happy to see the authors that they love. Why would you want that around your booth? <laughs> well, no, it's true. I mean, it is very interesting to compare a book book festival to book con because they are definitely taking it more in the showbiz side. Yes, of absolutely. But I think it's great. I mean, I, you know, Cal, I, I Cal, do too. I mean, we've been saying this for years. People are very excited about, very passionate about their books, and a, this convention. I'm making little air quotes here. This convention setting seems to be a. A a conduit to put in bottle. Yeah, but, but it seems to be a a pathway to give people a place to really be fans. Yeah, I, 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 so there's something magical, if that isn't an overused word, about the con experience. Yeah. There, you know, I mean, I've I've often described when I, after I first started going to the comic con, you have comic con, you have all of these people um, under one roof with this intense pleasure relationship mm -hmm. with one thing or another that right. they really love. Uh, it's a really extraordinary feeling. And it is as, of you, as though you step out of real life and you step into the, bu the bubble of your greatest pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's how this, these, and, these, these yeah. cons feel. That's why and, they're and, bursting yeah. at and, the seams. Uh, you know, book con is, um, is definitely, like Rita said, Reed definitely wants to take advantage of this. Yeah. Now, what will be interesting is next year, because uh, BEA is in Chicago, correct? Yeah. So yeah. we don't know if there will be a book con. As we speak, we don't know yeah, what the date of book con will be. I think there but, will be a book but con. But you know what? Next time we're here, yeah. uh, we'll be we'll have the scoop for you. So so stay tuned for that. Yeah. But, well, uh, now, Calvin, you have a couple things. Yeah, I'm uh, going to talk about... Now, when you hear this, uh, you're hearing this before I do my panel, and... And this is not going to, well, I'm, we're recording this, but you, you're not going to, we're not going to be posting this online until after my panel is over. So I'm actually giving you a preview, not a review of the panel. So I'm going to be doing uh, the Fall Graphic Novels panel on the 27th, and I've got a great panel. Um, 
I'm going to be doing Ben Hackey, and with, uh, who's going to be talking about his new book, The Little Robot, coming from uh, First Second. Uh, Maggie Thrash, with, uh, with an unusual, really a memoir called Honor Girl, published by uh, uh, Candlewick Press. Um, Durf, back Durf, is back with a new volume called Trashed, coming from Abrams Comics Art. Uh, it's actually a memoir of his... Well, no, let me wrong. It's not a memoir. It is fiction, but it's based on his years as... Uh, um, a couple of years as a garbage man, which he expands into really a history and look at waste disposal. And it's, it's as usual, it's funny and full of really in, you know, interesting information. And last but not least, uh, a really extraordinary new work from uh, an artist who I'd only heard a very little bit about. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know more. Jeremy Ceresi and Curveball, coming from No, no Brow. Uh, a, a really extraordinary new graphic novel. Uh, you're going to want to um, to learn more about this right. guy. And I think I have a panel at BookCon uh, that's called that Graphic Novels Are Awesome. And this will include, I believe, Ben Katke again, along with Jeff Smith, the author of Bone, uh, Raina Telgemar, the ubiquitous and famous Raina Telgemar, yes. uh, author of Smile and Sisters, and um, also Jennifer Holm of Baby Mouse and her new book, uh, oh, let's keep on Heavy smiling. hitters, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This but that panel big... will be 10.30 on, and there'll be some live drawing, uh, that'll be 11.30 on Saturday morning at BookCon. So, uh, and there's, you know, we, if you... Uh, want to find out what's going on at BEA. You know, I wish Reed Elsevier, you know, we always talk about things on this podcast, but it's like, for God's sake, people, your website is a horrible mess. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. It's hor- I'm awesomely awful. It's, it's the hard worst to find website anything you need to seen. know. Uh, you can't find the programming. It doesn't even have mm. something in a drop down that says, programming. Yeah. It has five different conferences, but which <laughs> okay. one is calm down, actually the one is impossible <laughs> to figure out. Uh, I will say this, an alternative source uh, for finding out some of the programming, uh, specifically for comics, is that we will have a preview look at the uh, um, at all of the uh, at, uh, uh, not all, but m- uh, a good chunk of the comics publishers who will be at BA. Go to publishersweekly.com Slash, well, go to publishersweekly.com and look for the BEA coverage. And it should go up really to, uh, there should be one today. I mean, tomorrow. Yes, that's right. There and, should be one uh, tomorrow. But, and so it should be but, online. But we will also put that up on the comics page. Yeah, we'll get it up so on the comics page. So you will publishersweekly.com slash comics, you will yes. find our preview that has all the, yeah, all we'll the information sure we there. managed to, to glean. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, so we have to step in when mm. people can't even get their website out of control. But you yes. know what, that's what happens. <laughs> uh, well, all right, you know what, Kyle, we got to finish getting ready for this. Yes, so, that's right. I've got to yeah, go, I've got to get ready for the panel that yeah, will be yeah, over too. when you me hear too. this. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, me too. So, uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah, maybe more to come from Book Expo. All right, so, so we're going to have to do this with only two of us. More to come. Welcome to More to Come, Publishers Weekly's weekly program on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. So uh, this week on, uh, on More to Come, we're at Book Culture on the uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, we're here for an event. Um, celebrating some books from Tune Books uh, and from Enchanted Lion Books. But I have the great pleasure of talking with Francois Mouly, um, co-editor of the legendary Raw magazine, uh, art director of, of uh, The New Yorker, and most importantly for this occasion, the publisher of Tune Books. Francois, thank you so much for being on More to Come. What's well, a really great pleasure to be, especially to be with you, Calvin, oh, well. because, <laughs> you know, we, you and I go back a yes. long way, yes. and you know that when we were doing Raw Magazine yes. with my husband, Art Spiegelman, we were advocating for comics and not just for kids. Yes. And then we became parents, and we realized <laughs> that the rest of the world was paying attention to graphic novels, mm-hmm. was starting to take comics seriously, but there weren't enough good comics yes. for kids. <laughs> 
So Art and I put together so the Toon Treasury of Classic Kids yes. Comics. Mm -hmm. and um, little Lit at one time as little well. Little Lit uh, with uh, HarperCollins mm -hmm. with Joanna Cutler in 2000. And then I finally launched seven years ago Toon Books, yes. which is um, leveled readers yes. in comics form. Yes. And it's basically to force kids to fall in love with books. Yeah. Because I think if they have the right material at the right time, they will love the fact that it's um, always stable, they can return to it over mm -hmm. and over again. Any parent mm -hmm. will tell you that when a kid falls in love with a book, he wants Absolutely. she wants to have it read every single night. Yes. <laughs> and sequential narrative comics are actually perfect for kids to get them used to words and pictures. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really need for the 21st century, is visual literacy. And tomb books are even designed for pre-readers. I mm -hmm. mean, it really is designed to transition them exactly. into reading. Yes, you can actually read them to toddlers, and they will be able to follow the narratives with the pictures. But unlike traditional children's book, the pictures do not illustrate the words. So as the pictures actually move the story forward. Mm -hmm. So the kid gets a lot of information about the emotional content mm -hmm. of the story, mm -hmm. what's happening from the size of the type, from the facial mm -hmm. expression, and they learn to decode abstract symbols. Yes. And that's basically what reading is, is making meaning mm -hmm. out of um, very uh, systematized symbols, sure. mm -hmm. uh, which can be sounds of the letters or can be the cartoon language. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that we just introduce them to comics, although that would already be a good mm, mission. Absolutely. <laughs> but also we introduce them to the pleasure of reading, Every of making time. the yes. story in your head, which is different mm -hmm. than watching an animated cartoon yes. or playing a video game yes. where there are like a few paths and it's driven mm. for you. When you have a book when, where you can turn the page, yes. the kid realizes right away that she's driving, you know, she's mm -hmm. in charge, she's the one who actually can make it go fast, can make it go slow, can turn back sure. a page, can reread it, and it's addictive. So you'll know, because you know so much about <laughs> comics and comics readers, that traditionally, even though most people think that comics make for dumbing down, mm -hmm. uh, actually most of the cartoonists I know are also avid readers, and many avid readers and very literate people are comics Absolutely. lovers. I would say comics people are, in fact, hyper literate. Yes, I mean, I, and even That's in the book, term. even yeah. in the book world, there mm -hmm. is this a bias that somehow or other comics people only read comics. Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, no, we just published a book by Neil Gaiman. Yes, I of mean, course. Yeah. You know, this is, yes. this is people who are actually, this is what we need in this mm -hmm. century. This is people yeah. who are actually are extremely articulate with words and with pictures and not yes. afraid of pictures. Yes. And it's different than the prejudice that there used to be in the 18th and 19th mm -hmm. century that the image de pinal or that the illustrated literature were for those who did not know how to read. Yes. Yeah. So for many, many, many like centuries and decades, the idea is that you had to wean children away yes. from images. That doesn't work in 2015. Yes. You can't not. wean children that are bombarded by 10,000 yeah. images every single day. Quite the opposite. Yes. You have to give them tools to understand how it affects them. So literary criticism, when we publish books, um, we also encourage parents and librarians mm -hmm. and teachers to spend time yes. with the kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things about how tuned books are designed. I mean, you have a very rigorous process, how they're leveled. I mean, as much as comics are associated with children reading them, most comics are not really designed for reading in the same way the tune books are. Well, you know, one thing that we realize is because we work from you know, myself falling mm -hmm. in love with the work of my husband, and mm -hmm. that's how I fell in love with uh, Art Spiegelman, yeah. is when uh, he showed me, uh, I discovered like strips that he had sure. done, mm -hmm. and he showed me Winsor McKay, for example, sure. and one thing that you realize, because I grew up reading comics in France, is that comics are great rereading material. Mm -hmm. You read them the first time to get the story juice out of sure. it, you know, you just want to know what's happening, but then when you go back 
There were so many details, there's so much supporting sure. material, and it's so densely textured that it is uh, traditionally what kids do. They exchange, you know, books among mm, each sure. other. Uh, we make hardcover books, they're there to keep. Kids mm -hmm. perceive them as a little treasures mm -hmm. that they're meant to be. And they go into it and they go into it over and over again. Now, if you rewrite your cereal box 30 million <laughs> times, you would get something out of it. Sure. There is something to yeah. the process of really decoding. But in the comics, it's of course uh, far more enriching because you see the hand of the artist. Yes, yeah. Well, look, tell me a little bit about the event that we're, you know, about to be. Well, it's going on as we as yeah, we're doing this interview. Yes, yes, um, There's a roar of sound. Yeah. That, um, Great, a live jazz band in, in the front of the store. <laughs> Too bad you aren't here. But anyway. <laughs> no, we're having a good time. Well, what we're celebrating is really the support of the publishing industry. Because mm -hmm. as you all know, you know, it's certainly anybody who listens to uh, publishers weekly podcast, be it comics or not, publishing is not surviving, but I would say mm. there are two areas where books are here to stay, yes. and it's children's books and it's comics, yes. because in many ways digital will replace the cheap paperbacks, but the books that you treasure, the hardcover, the book object, which is what we do, yes. Um, and that's also what uh, the co-publishers that we work with here is Enchanted Lion. Mm -hmm. They also make beautiful yes, children's books. We work with No Brow. Uh, yes. and they have this also really line. beautiful books. Exactly. The idea is the Two books, of the really book. beautiful books. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a theme here. Yes. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. Like we were uh, at first when we launched in 2008 distributed by Diamond. Mm -hmm. And then we worked with Candlewick, which is a yes. great, wonderful mm -hmm. imprint uh, for the distribution. But now we're actually showing our true color. We're distributed by Consortium, yes. which is a unit of Perseus, but really is a distribution arm for the independents. Yes, you know, absolutely. The small yeah. houses, because we're microscopic. Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't even mm -hmm. make it on the radar. You know, we don't have the, the Penguin Random House sure. power. That kind but of what scale. we sure. have is something that is revolutionizing the, I would hope, the industry, well, meaning so. that books are a hip medium. Yes. You can see books from No Brow, you can see books from Toon Books. We published this Neil Gaiman and Lorenzo Mattotti mm -hmm. yes. book. Mm -hmm. We're publishing uh, French comic strips that I grew up with. Yes. This is a new mm -hmm. line. We're doing Toon Graphics. Ah. So they're really basically comics or graphic novel, but you know we call them graphics because yeah. it's Toon Books and Graphics. <laughs> Like Absolutely. it was robots and graphics. <laughs> now, are, um, are tune graphics different? specifically from the original Toon Books line? Maybe well, you can talk they, about that. Well, actually is a complement, the expansion. Mm -hmm. That's what we wanted to do, is that like those are truly books of comics. Mm -hmm. They are perfectly appropriate for somewhat older kids. They're not leveled. Uh, they're uh -huh. not okay. like learn-to-read mm -hmm. material. They're more for the 8 to 12-year-olds. Cool. But for example, okay. Philemon by Fred, which I grew up with, uh -huh. um, is, and, and we're introducing for the first time here, is a beloved uh, series that you mm -hmm. read when you're a French kid, like Asterix, like Lucky Luke, mm -hmm. like uh, many of those strips, and that you keep reading when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. It's not just uh, limited to that age. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing with that age group, is that now you're talking like we're doing a book of Little Nemo, which is a oh, locust, yes, an edition it's of the, the Locust uh, It's like a kid's edition of that yeah, amazing yeah. Locust Moon project yeah, exactly. to do a tribute so, to Windsor McKay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love seeing that Locust Moon tribute because I just felt They're like beautiful. this, this is exactly what like, Art and I were yeah. like hoping would happen and it's an homage to uh, the Sunday yeah. Press editions of Windsor Absolutely. McKay. It's the same size. But it's not going to end up in every library because yes. of the cost and because of the size and so on. So I thought, well, why not we do a digest? Yes. Because this way we'll be able to we put the strips, um, a selection of the strips in a book in that line of tune graphics. And, you know, we have... Um, People like um, Lemony Snicket and John Chieska and uh, Jeff Smith discovering... Pretty good lineup yeah. of artists, not bad. <laughs> yeah. And if I may say so, I mean, it would be an accomplishment for anyone to have a tremendous impact on the publishing industry, maybe once. But I would have to say to say, you know, excuse the flattery, but you've managed to have an impact on America, a tremendous impact 
two, three times at least? Maybe I'm leaving one time out. <laughs> well, you, you're very kind. I mean, part of what happened is that uh, when we did Raw, it mm-hmm. was to fill a need. Sure. Uh, in 1980s, mm-hmm. there weren't any good publications. Yeah. There weren't good showcases. There weren't yeah. any good publishers. But after 10 years of publishing Raw, well, by the early 90s, around the time where I had mm-hmm. first my daughter and then yes, my I son, mm-hmm. I realized there were people picking up, you know, photographs sure, and drawing yeah. quarterly, quarterly. Obviously, I sure. Mean, definitely, Pantheon was publishing. Mm-hmm. I had yes. published Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there were outlets for people like mm-hmm. Charles Burns mm-hmm. and Gary Panther, and I was, you know, lucky enough to be called on at the New Yorker 21 or 22 years ago. Wow, it's And <laughs> there was certainly a task to be done. Because yeah. at that moment, it's hard to remember, but at that moment, the New Yorker was a very sleepy publication. Mm, yes. The average age of the readers was 86 and a half. <laughs> or, so the task was to rejuvenate. And in the most um, publishing fashion, I mean, the most traditional publishing fashion, comics are a great audience builder. You know, people tend to be very faithful, and you can develop fans. So at the New Yorker, we published people that we had in uh, Raw magazine, but also were able to have covers by Adrian Tomini and Chris Ware and all of the new young people. But you're right that somehow the drive behind Tim Brooks has been trying to fill a gap, fill a need. And I think in the uh, urge to... Um, do to make comics be taken seriously, and every doing everybody doing a three hundred page graphic novel on some very important topic. <laughs> That got a bit forgotten, you yeah. know. Mm. Nobody was really paying attention. Jeff Smith is someone who actually, yeah. like, you know, marches the beat of his own drummer and did this series of Bond, which is terrific yeah. for young kids. There's a lot of great people who were still doing things, but now it needed this kind of like boost to say, hey, cartoonists, there's plenty of new cartoonists now, pay attention, we published a book by Lily Carré, mm-hmm, we published yeah. a book, we're publishing a second book by Eleanor Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes, well, Eleanor's fabulous, Ruan. for sure. But Ele- Eleanor's first <laughs> book was a twin book. Oh. And now she's, yeah, so oh, she oh, was in right, college. Okay. Oh. She was in college, and she did a twin book, which was Stinky in 2008. Oh, right, of course, Yes, yeah. That was first so you, you were a great scout for, for talent. Apparently you, you can find them wherever <laughs> they may be. But yeah. I'm curious, tell us about this artist, Liniers, who you're, yes. you're, you're well, are you promoting the book tonight? We, we published his first book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually discovered this work when I was in Paris mm-hmm. because uh, La Pastèque in Canada had published, it has a, a, a daily uh, strip in uh-huh. La Nation, in the newspaper in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has millions of fans. Mm-hmm. His social media is mm-hmm. very impressive. And he had never been published in the US. Yeah. So I got in touch with him and said, like, hey, I want to take a selection of the strips to do something that would work as a tune book. And he said, no, I'll do a new book for you. So Not his bad. first book we published two years ago, and it was a big wet balloon, and it was a huge success. Great. Uh, it was actually well, He has a like, wonderful childlike style. Exactly. It's really... And you yeah. talk about artists who are parents. He has ah. one, two, and now he is a father of a third Oh, daughter. there you go. Well, so he's, he has he really, great inspiration. <laughs> he really was inspired yeah. by... Um, is um, by, by being a father and is a prolific artist. Uh, Enchanted Lion is publishing um, Macanudo, which is a oh, strip oh, for correct. the last 10 right, years. Right. So they're doing, so they're doing they have, a couple volumes. They have a couple of volumes of yeah. his collection strips. And they all have a third volume. But this new book uh, is yeah. what, the, the title of the it? The title is, is Written and Drawn by Anna mm. yeah, okay. And right. we're doing a thing that's really important, I think, these days mm. is in the field of children's books, not only are there not enough comics, mm-hmm. because if you think about it, whether it's Dr. Seuss or Maurice mm-hmm. Sandak or William Stike, all those people are cartoonists. Yeah. I mean, they're not illustrators yeah. of somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best books are cartoonists. Yes. They can well, tell a story. Okay. I won't argue but with that. But <laughs> also, you need diversity. Yes. And you need, uh, we published a book by Harry Bliss called Luke mm-hmm. of the Loose uh, here 
uh, we published a book by Sergio Garcia's mm -hmm. uh, and my daughter. That your daughter has written? Yes, yeah. Lost in New York City. Yes, yes, yes a terrific book. Like, a terrific uh, yeah. trip through the subways yeah. of New York. And and those books, especially when we have an author with Hispanic, mm -hmm. I mean, language Hispanic, such as Linear's, we also publish a Spanish edition. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, it integrates, you know, all sides of the classroom because a hero's book is a Spanish speaking kid. and the book exists in English and Spanish, mm -hmm. and our hope is that we can bring together like a diverse classroom. Like I was mm -hmm. presenting this in Chicago, and one of the teachers, I was so proud to have like a Spanish edition, and the first question from like a librarian was like, but do you have this in Urdu? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So we just got the Spanish out, but there you go. Yeah. Put it on your list. Yes. That's next. What's next is an audio edition. There you go. Well, you, people can't get too much of a good thing. So great. Well, I know you've got a bunch of books coming out in the fall. Maybe you can you won't mention some of them if you can. Well, there's a little, little Nemo book. Yeah, right, the little Nemo that you mentioned. Sure. There's a second book by David Nitra who yes. had done um, yes. the Stone Frog book as a tune yes. graphic. Yeah. It's a 120 page yes. graphic novel. A long yes, comic yes, book, yes. but done pen and ink. Yeah. And I've seen the drawings, really grid. gorgeous. Yeah, really amazing. Um, there's a book by oh, no, Davis Andrew Wang, uh, mm -hmm. Flop to the Top. Mm -hmm. There's a written mm -hmm. and drawn mm -hmm. by Henrietta. Uh, okay. And yeah. there is a third well, volume of Fred, well, which is uh, Philemon. Well, no, great. great. Right. I think this is. Uh, yeah, actually. well, I know. Well, you know, this might be a good point for us to wind yeah. this down, but um, uh, you're at B. Well, you were at BPA, you're about to hit back. To, uh, to Paris. Yeah, and then Copenhagen. And then Copenhagen. Well, this is great. Well, I think we'll end this right here as the um, public address system goes up. But look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Kevin, it's such a pleasure. I couldn't have wanted to talk to you more. Yeah. We'll talk again. Yeah, we will indeed. Thank you. Fabulous. Okay. That's perfect. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Heidi McDonald for Publishers Weekly's More to Come podcast, and I'm here at Book Expo with Linears, the great uh, Argentinian artist, cartoonist, publisher, um, Bon Vivant. Uh, so, and you're prolific as well. You have a new book out from Enchanted Lion. Uh, no, from Toon Books, right? One from Toon Books and one from Enchanted Lion. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. They'll be out in October, actually, you know, so we're previewing them here. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, for, from Enchanted Lion, I'm, I'm putting out Macanudo number three, like the third mm -hmm. installment of this daily strip that I publish in La Nación in Buenos Aires and also in El País in Spain in different newspapers. And uh, the other book, the one that I did for Toon Books, is, uh, it's a little story of one of the characters that show up in Macanudo. Right, right. So it's a, a little girl called Henrietta, and she has her hat, her cat called Fellini. And in this book, Henrietta is doing a story. So you get to see the story that Henrietta is writing while she's writing and drawing. So it's a, it's a kind of... I, I was very happy when I published it in Buenos Aires that I got a lot of messages from parents and told me that their kids saw that since Henrietta draws like in, mm -hmm. a, very, in a style of a kid, they realize, oh, I can do a story. <laughs> you know, if this girl does... Right. Now, was this a spin-off from Macanudo? Would you, it wasn't what we call it? No, or, it's, uh... it's not even a spin-off. It was part of Macanudo because okay. the way the, the story showed up was on the strip. Mm -hmm. Like, if uh, if I suddenly go into story mode, I will do it Macanudo, like, maybe 12, maybe mm -hmm. 20, maybe 30 days. And uh, this one just started with the, with the idea of how nice it was when you were a kid and you received a box of pencils, of color pencils, you know, like a little piece of a rainbow. And then I went from there to, well, what would this girl draw? And then I started drawing and copying the style of my daughter, you know, <laughs> right, Matilda's right. style, like I would steal from her <laughs> eyes and her weird, you know, legs or whatever. And, uh, and, and then it just grew and grew. And then I realized that this was, it looked way better in the form of a book like a comic book like a, in a, in a tomb book collection right right well it's a beautiful beautiful book if you're not familiar with uh, Linear's artwork I mean it is gorgeous but you draw in so many styles and in this book you do draw like a child yes. like and even if you were stealing from your daughter <laughs> did you have to put yourself into a different mindset I mean was it difficult to draw like a it's child it's really difficult because it's, it's almost like playing chess against yourself <laughs> 
you know, that you have to kind of forget the move or whatever. So it's you have to all, all the time because you know where arms go. But kids, they put arms in the craziest places and, then, and it works. So right, then you have right, to go right. like, the arm goes like that. And, right. and then, uh, you know, you have to trick the, the, you know, there's no the vanishing point. Or right. No, you right, know, right. You have to forget about that. Everything has to go nuts. Because <laughs> the cool thing about kids is they draw without being scared of, of failure. Right. And I think like the whole Picasso thing, it's, it's just like I, it took me my whole life to draw like a kid, was exactly that, that... Mm. The, there's a as soon as we start to grow up they told you hey this is drawing well this is not drawing. and then we start being scared not to you know screw up or whatever and then and kids they'll just do like a you know mess and show it to you very proudly and say like right? this is you right? dad and I'm an artist <laughs> and so that's they are little Picassos you know? yeah well it's it's fascinating I'm sure there are books about this but it is I'm, uh, always fascinated me that drawing is one of the basic human things that humans do. Yeah. You know, if you give any child crayons... Yeah, and then there's just a, a bunch of us that just never stop. <laughs> right, right. Never matures, <laughs> uh, I guess. Right, so, right. Because I, I really know, I, I am sure that the same, like, synapses that my brain made, mm. like, the same places where my brain fires up when I finish a, a strip that I like, it's the same, you know, synapses that when right. I started stop, you know, when I finally got to draw a very decent Darth Vader when I was ten years old, I was like, right. oh my god, that's Darth Vader! I'm really right. good. Did you? Did you? I mean, corniest question of all, but I mean, when you first started drawing as a child, I mean, did it really just lock in? Was it what you loved doing the most? Yes, I wasn't ever a really amazing uh, a draftman. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how in in classes there's always the one that's right. the best one. I was always like in the top five, you know, but never, never the best one. Bastard, yeah, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the best one. So, uh, but it was, you know, but I always like to do this. It's, it's just something that I, I, it's second nature. So I, I just kept on it till I found like a, a line that I like. Mm-hmm. Now you, uh, your, your strip is very popular in, in Argentina. It's it's quite well known. Uh, you have almost a half a million Twitter followers, in fact. So you're you're you know you're, you're getting up there. But uh, just to kind of give it a little context for 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 that, um, and and it, it appears as a strip in the newspapers, right? That's yeah. it's it's is it a but you know your books are kind of freeform though. Um, is it a four-panel strip or is it how? What is the format of the strip? Yeah, of the, the strip? strip is a schizophrenic strip, I guess. Yeah. It's, and and uh, I, I mean, you know how in every, any art form you have to know there's this law that I should break or that law because they, every art form has all these laws, and if you paint by the mm-hmm. you know, by the numbers, you end up doing like what everybody else is doing. So you have to know which of the laws you should break. And the one that I think uh, Macanudo breaks is that it's uh, it's you have here strips that are of characters like mm-hmm. you know Calvin and Hobbes, or you have strips like The Far Side or Bizarro where it's not character driven. Macanudo is a little bit of both. Sometimes it's character driven, sometimes <laughs> it's not. Sometimes right. they show up for a few t- you know strips. Sometimes they show up for hundreds. But what's I think what's really edgy or interesting for me is that it changes the the, the humor vein. Mm-hmm. It changes the style of humor. Sometimes it's absurd. Sometimes it's uh, sweet. Sometimes it's observational. Sometimes it's dark. And uh, the the reason I do that is to take the reader like you know he doesn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Just this is like boxing. Right. If you if you you know if your opponent sees the, the, the punch, right, 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 humor has to be like that. Yeah, you know how to see the punch <laughs> right, come or the right. punch line, if you will. Right, <laughs> right. So I try to every strip to have something surprising. So even in the design wise, right. it's not the four panels. It's just like well, you. I think you can see all of this. Uh, there are three books now. Well, the the third one's coming out in the yeah. fall, as you mentioned. But there are two books available in the United States, uh, published by Enchanted Lion of Macanudo, two collections, and I do recommend them. They're gorgeous, but you will see exactly what you're talking about because as you flip through it, you would never think, oh yeah, this is a newspaper strip because it is all <laughs> over the place. It's, it's 
it's so yeah, it's that, so creative. I mean, well, I hate to use that word, but it is. It's very it's imaginative. Thank you, but I, I think it's the opposite of that. Uh-huh. It's lack of imagination. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have the, the, the amount of imagination that Watterson had for to have like two main characters mm-hmm. and do them for 10 years. Right. You know, like I have one kid mm-hmm. and then the next day I have no ideas for kids. I have right. ideas for penguins. Right. And then right. the next day I have no <laughs> ideas for kids or penguins. I have, oh, what do I do? I roll that. Well, you're, you're very fortunate that you have a format where you don't get typecast. I think a lot of cartoonists would be very uh, envious of that. That's the one thing that I was lucky that, uh, to be in Argentina and not to be in the States. Because the, the problem in the States, the, what's happened in comic over the last 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, it's amazing. Like all this, this form open, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly we can do comics about anything. You used to not be able to do a comic right. book about the Holocaust because right, it's a right. minor art. Well, now we can, and this freedom made like the, this huge explosion that we've seen from Daniel Klaus to Chris Ware to mm-hmm. whatever. But on the Daily Strip syndicate, this does, didn't happen right. since they have to cater to like Middle America or whatever. So you used to do like Beetle Bailey and <laughs> right. and you know like really old strips that sometimes it's not even the author that the, created them sure like with Dick Tracy and, and Steve Roper yeah I remember once I, I talked with Dan Perraro that's Bizarro and he told me that you couldn't even get away with what you know friends mm-hmm. could get away with on TV so that I think strangled the, the this mm-hmm. like it's my favorite form of mm-hmm. comics that I that I grew up reading mm-hmm. like Bill Watterson and Gary Larson and sure. Berkey Brett great great you know I love those strips in the 80s and, and Peanuts of course but all those guys were edgy they were new they were adventurous and uh, but now you know it, everything is just diluted so it's uh, and a, a strip like Macanura couldn't run in on a syndicate. And I, it actually, I got a call from a syndicate one time. I was like, oh my God, we're going to make so much money. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the, the, the syndicate just went like, I don't know what to make out of this strip. You know, it's all over the right. place. And I was right. like, well, that's what's interesting. Right. Well, you could not, uh, you know, yeah, well, you could. You could hear on the web. I mean, the oatmeal is an example. But that's what, what, what yeah. it, it shifted, you know, right. from the... But yes. the sad thing is that on a newspaper, people who don't read comics read comics. Mm-hmm. And on the web, it's like on comic books. It's people who read comics, right. they go to the web sure. to see sure. the oatmeal or sure. see this or that. But uh, so it's sad that we're, you know, we missed on this right. amazing, just because syndicates need to be safe. Right. Be, and yeah. There's nothing more boring or tiresome to the, in any art form than to be safe. It's a horrible yeah. word. You know? Yes, it's true. Well, guess what? You know, unfortunately, as great as these strips are, it's not where people go to look for the latest thing. But I yeah. even here at the show, but I was. But it used to be. That. It was. It was, it was and that. they were so influential and so amazing. But but you know, I think there are, you know, people move people move around. Yeah. Now you also are a publisher, right? You oh, have your so own. You are your publish. You publish. What kind of books and comics do you publish? Well, I in, I, in Argentina. I, the thing is, in in all of Latin America, maybe except for Brazil, it has a little bit more. All this uh, graphic novel explosion mm-hmm. didn't get okay. over there. Like very few books are published, maybe Mouse or maybe like one or two. And I thought that was horrible. That was like like if your city didn't have theater mm-hmm. or if your mm-hmm. city didn't have like radio, like some amazing way of telling things, it doesn't exist there. So when Macanudo started working, I thought, well, maybe we, we could do this. And what we realized when we started publishing books was that we had like a big problem with American authors because uh, they generally sell the, the Spanish rights to Spain for the whole Spanish right. speaking universe not sure. even or whatever so all these authors they, you can go to Spain to a bookstore and they have Daniel Close and they have Chris Ware but you go to the rest of Latin America and they don't and when we try to publish Joe Sacco and Daniel Close and these guys, they wouldn't sub. Right, know. right, right, because the rights had already been and sold that's to. Really screwed up. Like that's horrible. And because mm-hmm. because liter- literally Latin America is it's excluded from this amazing art form. Right. And uh, so what we think should have to happen is like in, in in the contracts, the authors should have like okay, Spain, you want the you know right for the whole mm-hmm. speaking world. 
either you send 25% or 30% of what you print to the America, whatever, you know, or let the decision of being uh, published by a local publisher lie on the on the author. Mm -hmm. Because maybe the author wants to be in a tiny, you know... Sure. It's not about the money, it's not about, but nobody will... Nobody knows who Daniel Klaus is in Argentina. So That's they, heartbreaking. So uh, I'm not sure who would be publishing him in Spain, but you know, it's let's. La no, I was uh, going to say it's Random La Cupola. House also. Right, but let's say it's you know La Cupola, but yeah. they do not have uh, they don't have distribution in Latin America. No, no like five comic book stores, and oh, since they are imported, I see. they're imported. They're really so expensive. So it's sort of like it's not like oh, this is from Spain. This no, is here. Well, it's more. I got you. We tried to publish was David Boring. My wife and I love that book. Right. And we tried everything. And in the end, the, the final thing they said, like, we have the rights for the whole Spanish-speaking language universe, and we can't, by contract, submit. Wow. So that's it. We Nobody will read ever David Boring in Latin America except for, like, five uh, nerds with money. Wow. Well, you know, let me, just for our listeners, uh, I guess this would be like as if all the English language books were published in England and yes. none of them, you know, like when you buy an English book here, it is quite expensive. And that would be like the, the same thing with all the and books. And then you go to England and there's graphic novels. And yeah. then you go here and they go, no wow. graphic novels. And there's something systematically wrong. Wow. Well, you know, listen, comics publishers, <laughs> uh, an emerging market in South America and... Uh, uh, of course, some some great authors there. Uh, what what is the name of your? Uh, so, are you publishing though? Are it's you publishing some books? Editorial Común. Yeah, we published some books. We we, we did get to publish Dashaw, for example, because mm -hmm. we you know we talked to everyone. Mm -hmm. and we published the uh, Button, the Spanish Button, but we get to publish a lot of French authors. Mm -hmm. So some French authors, but uh, for me personally, it's way nicer when I find a uh, Latin American <laughs> a cartoonist. And, and get to publish their first books. Right, you know? right, right, right. So we publish a lot of those guys, like uh, there's one girl from Colombia called Power Paola, one guy called Lucas Nine, one guy called Jorge Gonzalez, there's all these uh, called Minaberry that are amazing, and those books generally they you know get published in mm -hmm. Portuguese then, or French, or English, or whatever. Right. So that's also just a lot. Wow. Well, Wow, so much going on. Well, you're it's great because you get to put out a book that you have no talent. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> that you could never in a million years do, and you get to be a little bit, you know, uh, proud of it. Yes, that. yes. That's, it's yeah. fun. Well, you're a busy, busy man. I don't know how you do it all. So. I have no idea. <laughs> well, listen, I thank you for taking the time to chat with us here, and, uh, you know, good luck with all of your drawing and publishing. It's always a pleasure, Heidi. All right, thank you. <laughs>